Welcome. Happy 2024. I know it's the second Sunday of this new year, but again, I want to say a happy new year to you, and I hope the year has started well. And if this is your first time, we're certainly glad you found us, and we would encourage you to do us a favor by clicking on the digital connection card up above or leaving a comment in the chat, or if you're watching this on YouTube, scroll down in the description. You can find the digital connection card there, and we'd love for you to leave a your name and your email address that we might connect with you. But if you might have a prayer request or if there's a question we can answer, we again, we're grateful you're here and certainly hope it's not your last time. So thanks for checking us out. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and say also Happy New Year and pray that uh, the start of the new year has been blessed. We want to share this week, we were able to finally celebrate the graduation of the group of men that have been walking through a class at uh, Mansfield Correctional. I've had the pleasure of being there a couple times a month to teach and it's been an amazing journey to watch them just lean into becoming uh, just God-honoring, God-loving, Jesus-loving men. We ended up with seven men who completed the course, started out with 37, but they were blessed because the warden allowed them to invite their families to the graduation and so it was such an encouraging time. Unfortunately, I can't share a picture of the men, but I can share a picture here of the team as we celebrated as we were leaving, just all the good things that God had done. And so we're grateful to be able to be part of that. I know earlier in the year, if you'll remember, some of us had the pleasure of going in for what they called a hope event back near Easter. the men with a time of worship and prayer and and it was just again a, an incredible time to meet the needs that Jesus tells us we need to meet of those in our community that are broken and disconnected from him so last year didn't turn out as you hoped Things took a turn, a bump, a darkened sky. And at times it may have seemed there was no hope. But here's the good news. Our God is the God of fresh starts. 
Our God is the God of new beginnings. Our God brings new mercies, new compassions, not just once a year, not just when things are bad, but every single morning. This year has been tough. And for many of us, things will never be the same. But we are here, breathing, maybe smiling, or crying, or shouting, or laughing. But we are here, feeling, maybe fighting, or cheering, or seeking, or grieving, but we are here living and we are not alone our God is here our God is with us and our God is the God of new creations begin a series it is the new year and one of the things that many of us want to lean into is the idea of habits right and what I want to do over the next uh, number of weeks is talk about how do we just be better in the new year the idea of a better you and a better life experience now let me ask you this question it may surprise you but uh, just walk with me here uh, when you lie actually when you don't tell the truth who do you think you lie to the most I mean, we all want to say we're honest, right? Like George Washington. Uh, but how about this? Uh, have any of us lied to our, our boss or our direct report uh, to say, uh, I'm sick today because it's just too nice not to be outside and enjoy life? Or even how about how many of us have uh, had to lie or not tell the complete truth to our, our children? I mean, think about it. Uh, there are some things where all of us, as even with grandchildren, we lean into the conversation and we'll, they'll say, hey, can we do this or do that? And it's like, yeah, we'll think about it. We'll think about it. And yet the reality is in our own minds, it's something that's just never going to happen. We're not going to allow it. But we don't want to tell them that because we don't want to disappoint. And then what about uh, those moments when we were growing up where our parents ask us questions, right? Where we uh, maybe didn't tell our parents the truth. Uh, because we didn't want them to know what we had been doing with our free time. Uh, or maybe how about our, our friends when that phone call comes to say, hey, can you help me move? Uh, back in the day when I owned a pickup truck, I was always sort of put out because I know I used the truck for my vocation, but there were many times where people would call just because they knew I had a truck. And, man, I want to be a person that can love others and serve them well, but there are just times where it's an inconvenience, right? And then in our culture today, right, the, the whole social media thing, we present these pictures and images of a world that we want people to think is ours. And yet for so many people, even though we may show that we're happy and it's thumbs up and, and like and smiley face, that really 
uh, we're dealing with anxiety and maybe being depressed and even lonely and maybe feeling left out. So again, I ask this question, who do you think you lie to the most? It's, well, it's interesting. The research on this is very conclusive. And it may surprise you, but maybe not. It, truthfully, the person that you lie to the most is you. Uh, every study shows that. Think about it. Many times, don't we say, well, I'm going to do it tomorrow, and then it doesn't happen. Or maybe leaning into something, maybe a habit or a particular vice, if you will, chocolate or TV watching or uh, whatever it might be. And you can say, well, I can stop anytime I, I want to, and yet you can't. And then many times it's in those conversations when we're with other people and people ask us how we're doing. And a lot of times we just say, well, I'm fine. When the reality is maybe we're really sort of torn up on the inside. And then many of us, I've heard these words many times from people saying, well, I don't care. I really don't care. But the reality is, I think, for many of our lives, it is that, it is that we do care. And we just need to get a focus on it. And then finally, uh, we sometimes say when we encounter disappointment or when we encounter frustrations or when life turns in a way that we don't want it to, our response is to say, well, it's just no big deal when in reality it is a very big deal. And so part of what I want to look at in the coming weeks is just how do we get our head around uh, what God wants for us and how do we enjoy a life that's better. And I'm not talking about New Year's resolutions, about going to the gym or losing weight or walking more miles or reading more of the Bible. I, I'm not really talking about those kinds of things because here's the reality when we talk about being human. And it comes to us out of uh, Jeremiah chapter 17. You know, we call him the weeping prophet. He's trying to point out some things in Israel's ancient history. And he says this about the human condition. He says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Now, the truth is, uh, when we think about Jeremiah's words, and the reality is we process through New Year's resolutions, one of the major reasons that our resolutions fail is because we're focusing on everything that's external. We're talking about changing our habits. We're talking about changing our external behaviors. The truth is, as we lean into it, right, I mean, when you go to Home Depot the day after Christmas, all of a sudden the Christmas decorations have disappeared, and now uh, that same row is filled with all sorts of storage boxes. Of course, there's that that matches Christmas, the, the green and uh, red boxes. But then there's all these other boxes so that you can get your life organized. Or, or maybe it, there's this idea that, idea that you want to quit procrastinating, you know, going through that list of to-do lists from last year to uh, really focus in on things that are important, like maybe reading the Bible, you know, getting into your youth version plan and doing better. Or even the simple idea of better uh, health habits, right? That you're going to eat better, uh, that you're going to start exercising. Uh, we've said this before that uh, most uh, gymnasiums and health facilities, man, they gear up for that first week of January with all sorts of new equipment because there's all sorts of new people. And the truth is by the third week of the month, they have had to uh, move the equipment back into storage because there's just uh, nobody's using it. And there may be also that idea of uh, you want to be in better relationship with those around you. So you're going to stop yelling at the kids or stop yelling at your, your spouse or your significant other. 
But all these things are focused on uh, externals, on our behaviors on the outside. And what I want to look at, at least in this first week as we think about this, is, is this idea of where do our behaviors come from? The truth is our behaviors are born in our very heart of hearts. And so here's our big idea for this week. So if you want to change your life, you need to change your habits. And if you want to change your habits, you got to let God change your heart. And so as we think about this series over the next couple of weeks of better, we're going to talk about just things that can help us reflect on what it means to be a child of God. And this week we're going to talk about looking at ourselves in the mirror, understanding not so much our physical makeup, but understanding who we are as we're created as human beings, a little self-examination, if you will. And so let's talk about that. What does it mean to do self-examination? One place we can go right away is a hero of the scriptures that can give us some insight is David. He says this in Psalm 139, uh, verses 23 and 24. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I think what's true about this and why I love looking at David's writings is because I know for sure that David, over his human life, over his journey here on earth, he began to understand uh, that he was uh, lying to himself in so many different ways. And it all came about in a moment that was probably the lowest point in his life. Again, it's a story that comes to us out of the Old Testament. Uh, we, we've heard the story before, but it's, it's worth looking at again as we think about this year. Here we find the story in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. It says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. This is almost one of those moments where we just know, hmm, something's not going to happen good here. There's going to be something that probably we need to pay attention to. So what do we have here? Well, we have this understanding that David is king. He's lived life well, and he's fought many good battles. And, and at this point in his story, he's got this almost overconfidence that, you know what, I've fought enough. I deserve a break, and I'm going to stay safe. And it's just interesting, again, the scriptures tell us that normally kings go off to war, but in this case, he didn't. And so he hops up to the roof, and as he's up there, he's looking around at his kingdom, and he sees a woman, right? And he sends for her. And he thinks he just wants to get to know her, you know, a common acquaintance. Well, guess what? We know that this doesn't turn well at all. And in fact, it actually goes very wrong. And what ends up happening is we know in the story with Bathsheba, he ends up uh, having a relationship with her. Now, it was only one time, and he was certain that no one was going to find out, that nothing bad could come from that. And yet what happens? He finds out not too long after that that she is pregnant with child. And then all of a sudden, panic sets in for him. And so what does he do? He takes and he sends for her husband, Uriah the Hittite, to bring him home, thinking that'll cover his sins. So he'll show up and just do what husbands do as they've come home from war, and then everything will be okay. But what happens, we find that Uriah is such a man of honor that he doesn't even want to go into his home because of the fact that his fellow soldiers are also fighting a battle, and he doesn't think it's fair. And so then what ends up happening from there is that uh, David sends him back to the front lines and has him murdered, uh, puts him uh, in a place where he's going to get killed in the battle line. 
And so what do we have here? Well, we have a gross abuse of power by King David, right? I mean, he's taken advantage of Bathsheba. He has committed adultery. He has blown up uh, this family. Uh, he has the husband, uh, Raya the Hittite, murdered. And then, as the story is told, is that the child that is conceived eventually is born and ends up becoming sick and actually dies. So it, what a mess, right? And yet, when we look at these stories, they can help us better understand our own story when we think about all that we uh, need to do and that God would do in and through us to help us better understand what it means to be fully devoted to him in the midst of our own brokenness. And so what takes place here is it's a death by a thousand cuts, is that David in the beginning didn't recognize his slow movement into sin. And like David, I think many of us are also masters of self-deception. Now the mental health community, our psychologists, and psychiatrist friends, uh, they call this cognitive bias. And uh, what the scriptures call it is not some scientific terms. It's just this idea of we flatter ourselves. Uh, we flatter ourselves and we deceive ourselves. And the scripture tell us that we actually delude our heart. And, and it's interesting in Psalm 36, the writer says, in their own eyes, they flatter themselves too much to detect or hate their sin. Now here's something that I've gotten as I've looked at this idea of how do we deceive ourselves, that deception, self-deception comes about in five different ways. First, there's the addiction to distraction, where we distract ourselves, uh, that where we distract who we really are as human beings. It may be the fact that we're addicted to news or, or work, or, or it might be that we're addicted to social media, or maybe it's alcohol or food. And in all that, part of it is this idea that we don't want to face ourselves. And then a second way that we see it is through what they call manic cheeriness, where this idea, we just go around saying, hey, life is great. Everything is just awesome, right? Uh, reminds me of the, the Lego movie, if you've not seen that, where the song goes, everything is awesome, right? Uh, that's where we want to be, but it's not true. And then there's also this idea of judgmentalism, right, where we were really good at judging others, and yet we are very much vulnerable to the same issue, that our outrage of someone else's sin can actually blind us, and yet uh, we may own the same kind of brokenness, the same kind of vulnerability, maybe even the same kind of sin. And then there's also this idea of defensiveness, where we get offended in such a simple way, I mean, the idea for anyone to come to us and say, do you know you have a problem? Uh, any suggestion of that can be, uh, wow, can really set us off. And some can say, well, it's not our fault. Uh, we don't have a problem. Uh, they have the problem. And yet that's uh, really not what this should be about. Again, it being introspective and being aware of who we are in our own skin. And then finally, this idea of cynicism that just, well, just everything's wrong. It's all broken. And the truth is, it's not my problem, it's everyone else's problem. And so what happens here in this particular story of David is that David has deceived himself. And then in deceiving himself, his life completely falls apart. Now, it's interesting in uh, the next chapter, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, uh, God sends the prophet Nathan to come to David and to talk to him. And he tells him a story, a story about uh, two men. And as the story is told, David is furious as he realizes what the story is, that there was a, a man who had many sheep, and, and there, when there was a man who had one, 
And the man that had many sheep and was very wealthy, he decided to take the poor man's one and take it for his own use. And so David's response to it here in 2 Samuel is that, wow, that man needs to deserve to die. Uh, Let's talk about him, right? And then guess what? Nathan says to him in verse 7, Nathan said to David, you are the man. So as we begin this year, as we think about just this being self-aware and looking at our own journey, I want to ask a question as we begin to think about how do we uh, lean into a a better life. Uh, So let me ask you this question. What problem are you denying? I know this may be going from preaching to meddling, but what is it that you're rationalizing away? Or what issue are you pushing through that you're just hiding? What secret addiction do you have? Uh, Is it anger? Is it uh, food, alcohol, drugs? Maybe uh, you've gotten too close in a relationship with somebody and you've uh, maybe flirted with an affair. Uh, is it overspending? I mean, what is it? Uh, the idea of numbing yourself uh, or the idea that you don't need help or that you do uh, and yet you, you've not been close to God and so you're not at church and you're not in community. And so as we think about these things, I want to give you three warning signs of what to look for in these moments. The first, and this is the one that probably can be the hardest, is that you need to watch for what others have tried to tell you. Uh, When you hear the same thing from more than two people, uh, they are there to tell you you have a problem. They're there to show that they love you. You know, is it working too much? Is it not being present in the conversations? Is it that you're on the phone too much? Is it As a young person, maybe you're playing too many video games. I don't know. Or is it when you get home from work, you pour yourself a drink? Or or maybe it's the way you dress. Maybe there's some immodesty there that you need to uh, deal with. Or maybe you can't say no because you want to please people. And so part of what I want to do at the beginning of this year, and this is as much for me as it is for you, is I want to ask God to search my heart uh, to help me see what it is about me that uh, I need to better understand as he sees me. And so we need to be careful. We need to watch out for what others tell us. And then the second thing that we want to deal with is this idea that we want to watch what we rationalize away. It's amazing how good we are uh, to rationalize uh, things, to to say, hey, it's it's no big deal. I I can handle this, uh, whatever I'm doing. I'm not hurting anyone. You know, I don't have a problem. Uh, You know what? I, I know what I'm doing. I've heard this that I, I wouldn't do what I do if it wasn't for the way, that, the way you act, that I'm just simply responding to how you treat me. And so that's the reality as we think about who we are. We have to start first with understanding ourselves as being children of God. And so as we think about watching what others have tried to tell us, and we also watch out for how we rationalize things away, there's this third point where we need to settle on this idea of we need to watch for where we get the most defensive. To say, well, I don't have a problem. Just leave me alone. Or this even this idea of saying, it's just none of your business. Another takeaway point for this week is this idea, the more convinced you are that you don't have a problem, more than likely is that you do. So in all of our stories, right, as we lean into what God has for us, even as we think about the next season for many of us in our, as we begin this new year. One of the things I know that is true as we process just life in general is that you cannot change what you won't confront. 
And so today we're talking about this idea of self-examination, to have this uh, moment of truth, if you will, of saying to God, as David did in his prayer, you know, search my heart, Lord, test me and see if there's anything that's offensive in me and then lead me. So as you think about the things that are there in your life, not just the behaviors, but the sort of the core of who you are and the things that you think, I want to ask this question, what is God saying to you? Or even more importantly, what is God showing you? What is he bringing to mind? I hear this question many times dealing with the men that I see in prison and in jail is, you know, sometimes they ask questions that I, I certainly don't have, most of the time, in fact, I don't have the answer for. And when there are questions about place and purpose in the world, uh, my simple response has become, you need to take that to God and ask him because he knows. He loves you and cares for you and wants the best for you. And so he will answer that question, but you need to take it to him. The truth is many of us are afraid of God, but the reality we know for sure, right? He already knows what we're working through. And so the truth is we shouldn't be afraid of him. What we should be afraid of in another way is what this idea of sin, what sin in our life and the self-deception that comes with it will cost us. And we see what it cost David, right? And so David found in his story as he journeyed along, as he learned about chasing after God's own heart, that it was to run to him, not away from him. In fact, in another psalm, David says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. That's Psalm 51, verses 10 and 12. And the beautiful thing that I take courage in every time I think about David is I know David sinned, and he sinned greatly. And yet we also know that David was a man after God's own heart. Now again, what did he say? What did David say in the earlier psalm? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So when we ponder that and we wrap our minds around that and we embrace those truths here. And so we go back to this big idea we started with, right? That if you want to change your life, change your habits. And if you want to change your habits, let God change your heart. And so that's where we're going to go for these next couple of weeks is to lean into how to have a better life. But it begins first with this idea of self-examination. And so let's pray together. Father, we do pray this prayer. We pray this prayer like David of old. We pray that you would search me, and that you would know my heart, God, we pray that you would test me and know my anxious thoughts. Father, see if there is any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. And we pray it all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Again, thanks for being with us this week. So glad you tuned in. And I hope you'll enjoy this series as we lean into what it means to have a better life, a better life in God. And so as you go forth this week, be reminded that you've been blessed to be a blessing. So go forth and serve Christ in the world in his name. Amen.